Howdy y'all, and welcome to the Linton Daily Grind with your hosts John Spencer and Carla Cocker. Get ready to brew your brain and sharpen your wit as we'll give you a rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, and then toss out a few random musings just to get your brain gears turning this morning. Plus, I'll offer up some thoughts to ponder on your walk with Jesus. So grab a mug of your favorite brew and let's get this show on the road. Carla, happy Thursday. Good morning to you. Good morning, John. Good morning, Daily Grind. Friends, we have made it to Thursday. Yes, we have. And on this date, in 46 BC, Julius Caesar declared the first leap year day. Julius Caesar. I did not realize he was responsible for the origin of this craziness. Yep, the okay. first leap year day, 46 BC. Wow. Now, the odds of being born on February 29th are 1 in 1,461. 1, 1,461. Okay. We always say 365 days. In reality, it takes the Earth 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 46 seconds right. to go around the sun. Right. So that over time, uh, yeah, you got to have some correction. Yeah, every four years we catch up. Yep. Okay. That's uh, a good fix. That's they a believe. Good fix, as crazy as it is. It is. Yeah. And it's an okay thing. Yeah. They say that 1288 is the year that the concept of allowing women to propose marriage to men may have begun with uh, Queen Margaret of Scotland. Oh, 1288. And I, and I think she may have been a child. Oh, no. And on this date, February 29th, 1692, the first witches were arrested in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, my goodness. What a mess. And on this date in 1796, the Jay Treaty between the United States and Great Britain was enacted, and it facilitated 10 years of peaceful trade between both countries. Yay! And February 29th is Bachelor's Day. Okay. It's International Underling Day. Okay. So... Yeah, take care of your underlings. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's leap year day. Right. Um, now, in our calendar, years that are divisible by 100, but not by 400, don't contain a leap year. So, right. 15, 1,500, 1,700, 1,800, 1,900 did not contain a leap day right and neither will 2100 2200 and 2300 but conversely 1600 2000 and 2400 will okay so there you go right i love them so um if you don't believe me just circle February in 2100, and let's just see who's right. There we go. So, oh. <laughs> it's National Surf and Turf Day. Okay. That's a good one. It is. It is 
also Saint Oswald's Day. Saint Oswald. I do not know Saint Oswald. He was uh, a British king who kind of led the advance of Christianity in like North Umbria, oh. I kind of think, and okay. and was known for his charity and wanting to change the plight of the poor. Oh, there you go, Oswald. All right, so I like it. All right, Carla. Now it's the time on the day of the grind to sharpen your wit. Uh, John Wayne, real name Marion Morrison. Correct. Does not have the same ring at all. No. <laughs> that was a good move. Mount yeah. Everest, you know, is 29,029 feet high or about 5.5 miles. That's a distance that a car on a freeway can cover in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know why people just don't drive up Mount Everest. So, um, Guardians of the Galaxy's Groot. Yes. First appeared in Tales to Astonish number 13 in 1960. That's how long he's what? been a character oh. in the. I just remember meeting him in Guardians of the Galaxy. In the in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. That's, okay. That's when they first brought us Groot. Groot. I'm, I'm Though, a fan of Groot. Oh, I am Groot. <laughs> Yes. The world's shortest escalator, Carla, is located in Kawasaki, Japan. It is 2.7 feet tall. Only has five steps. Hmm. And we have to have an escalator there. I, maybe. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, I'm just saying that's the shortest. Okay. So It wins. Um. I know that the some of the longest ones I think are in Eastern Europe or Russia, because their subway stations were also fallout and bunkers. Oh, because I'm telling you, man, the first time we went into like Hungary, you're probably like, man, those those escalators going down to the subways go down, and I mean they're forever. Oh wow. So, um, the Roman senator Cato the Elder ended every one of his speeches with Carthago Delinda Est, uh, which means basically I consider that Carthage must be destroyed. Oh, no. <laughs> Hardcore. Hardcore. It's like signing off. Thank you and may God bless America. It was like, thank you and Carthage must be destroyed. Wow. Wow. Oh. Wow, carrying a grudge much there? There you go. Carla, once you realize that ketchup is made with vinegar, you'll never not taste it. Oh. Well, you know, when I figured out it had so much sugar in it, I haven't tasted it much since then. <laughs> oh, and you can taste that too. Yeah, I just you, don't oh, eat much sweet. ketchup anymore. <gasps> I don't either. So, antimatter was first predicted in 1928. By English physicist Paul Dirac. Don't you love those original thinkers? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Carla, who do you think is crazier? A man who believes that he has a talking dog? Or a man who ignores consistently great advice from his dog? <laughs> oh, it's a toss-up. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my goodness. Now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. This week of Lent, we're walking through Mark. And so today, we're going to reflect on irritability. When you get irritated with someone, is it a you problem or a them problem? You know, is it the coworker who wants to overshare with you every time they see you in the hall? Is it the parent that gives unsolicited advice or criticism? Is it the spouse that doesn't do something the same way you would do it? Is it the neighbor or the sibling who borrows things and doesn't return them? Is it the irritating driver who is slow in the left lane while they're on their phone? Look, we've just come to accept irritation as a way of life. If we're irritated, it's because people are actually quite irritating. If they would just change, we wouldn't be so irritated. What about you? When do you get irritated with someone? And how do you treat them when you're irritated? I mean, do you react by giving them the silent treatment? Do you keep a distance? Do you return short, terse answers? Or do you come across with negative body language? Or do you talk about them to other people? Well, irritation is actually much more of a problem than we may think it is. In his book, Loving the way that Jesus loves, Phil Riken says, we should take our irritation very seriously because it is the very opposite of love. And it is not merely a way of complaining, but actually a way of hating. And we know this is true because Jesus was around some of the most irritating people in God's great kingdom, and he was not irritable. So today, We're going to continue through Mark in chapter 8. And we're going to let the disciples show us what irritability looks like. Now first, irritability sets limits on what we will do for others. In Mark 8, it says, In those days, when they had a great crowd gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called the disciples to come and he said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can we feed these people bread here in this desolate place? The disciples had been with Jesus all day. They had loved on, they had served these people, and they had listened to Jesus' teaching. But it was late, and they were tired and hungry. And if Jesus didn't let the crowd go soon, it would be too late for them to find food on their way home. But had the disciples forgotten who they were serving? Really, had they forgotten that Jesus is the Messiah who had served manna in the desert? The reality was, they set limits on their trust and belief and surrender to Jesus. And as a result of those limits, they limited their ability to trust in Jesus and put it in human capacity to understand. Look, another word for what they were doing was self-reliance. Self-reliance makes us irritable because we are not the Messiah. We do have limits. We cannot be all and do all for everyone. And so we run out, out of patience, out of energy, out of love, but Jesus, not limited. 
He doesn't worry about where the people will find food because he's the bread of life. And when we're irritated with people because they pass our limits of acceptance, understanding, or tolerance, we need more love from Jesus to change our hearts. We need to ask Jesus to forgive us and give us the Holy Spirit to help us love people more like he loves. I think the next thing we learn is that how irritability makes us the center of the universe. It's what the disciples show us in this story. After they were worried about what the crowd would eat, Jesus took their seven loaves, told the crowd to sit down. Jesus broke the bread, gave thanks to his father, and he blessed the people. And Mark says, all ate and were satisfied. All 4,000 or so of them. Now, this is only a short time after Jesus fed the 5,000. And so surely the disciples also remembered that. But as the day ended, Mark says that Jesus sent the crowd away and immediately got in a boat with his disciples. Oh, finally, it was time to withdraw and rest with their Lord and their Savior. They had all the expectations of what that might look and feel like. Can you relate? Well, listen to what Mark says happened next. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread with them. Now, never mind that the disciples had forgotten to bring breakfast with them in the boat. Jesus wasn't worried about where breakfast would come from, but Jesus was worried about something else, their self-reliance. The heart attitude that they shared with the Pharisees and Herod to be the center of their own universe. All allegiance to the kingdom of self instead of Jesus. Letting irritability reign in our lives is a sure way to keep ourselves at the center of our own lives instead of Jesus. Look, it'll keep you from seeing what you truly need. When was the last time that you talked to God about being irritated? Did you ask him to show you what's inside you? Did you ask him to have the spirit in his power help you to be less irritable? and more open to learn, enjoy, and rest, to ease into and create space for somebody else's company, to be in Jesus's company. I mean, oftentimes we are like the disciples, more prone to irritability after we've been with Jesus in our time of study or devotion or quiet time, or maybe even after serving him. We just shouldn't be surprised. Because of course, the enemy wants to steal our joy and attack our relationship in those moments in particular. But we can talk to God about it. We can pray for him to help us. Specifically, when we know that we are going to be most vulnerable. Lord, 
when I walk into the house and I see Marcy, give me a spirit of joy and excitement to be with her. Lord, when I get up from my quiet time, protect me against self-righteousness and self-importance and my desire to lash out sometimes at the ones who love me or to judge my friends. Okay. Lastly, we also learn from the disciples how irritability responds to Jesus. When they were still on the boat with Jesus, he was aware that they were all worried about having no bread. And he said, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Look, irritability has a negative view of Jesus. It minimizes his power. It takes for granted his compassion. It hardens our hearts against the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It puts our eyes on ourselves and closes our ears to the needs of others. It fails to trust Jesus. The Jesus, the disciples had been in the proximity of Jesus, but they were not really with Jesus. Irritability had closed them off from fully trusting him and enjoying his presence. This isn't what we want, but it's what we get when we accept irritability instead of confessing it. Jesus is the one that we look to for help. He is always full of mercy and compassion. He's not irritated with his disciples, and he is not irritated with you or me. The only way for us to be more like Jesus is to receive more of Jesus' love into our hearts, into our lives, into our relationships. It's to ask him to set your irritations aside and to fill you with his love. To ask for help to love others. To let the amazing love of Jesus be the source of healing for your irritable soul. That is my Lenten thought for us today. If you like what we're doing, please do all that podcast stuff. Please take a moment, rate it, review it, share it with your friends. It helps people find it. And as always, thanks for spending time with us on The Daily Grind. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow on an all-new episode. Grace and peace in the name of Jesus.